Chapter 8 Friday morning was miserable. It was cold, it was raining, and I was attending the funeral of my best friend. It was early July, but the thermometer was stuck in the 50s. It had been three days since Mike's death, and too long since we'd last spoke. You okay? Britt asked as we walked toward the imposing front doors of the church. Mike was inside, lifeless atop a bed of satin. How in the hell could I be okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I lied. I love you. I tried to maintain a strong front, but I was inconsolable on the inside. The wind kicked up, seemingly forcing me away from the church. I love you too, Britt whispered into my ear. I brushed my hand across her lower back, let it come to rest around her hip. I pulled her into me and kissed her cheek. Britt was there for me. She was all I needed. I talked to Britt in court about Mike's death, but otherwise I'd stayed in Reedville and tried to ignore human contact. It was all going to be the same thing. I'm sorry, Ty. Please let me know if there's anything I can do, Ty. I didn't want to deal with that shit. My smile faded upon seeing Mike's parents. They were standing outside the church under the stone awning, jutting outward from the brick facade. I wasn't ready to face them. Robert Schwartz donned a well-fitted black suit with a dark green tie, Marcy wearing a mid-length black dress matching heels. She was young, lower 40s, about the same as my mom. I'd known Mike's parents just as long as I'd known Mike. As I approached, Marcy tried her best to smile. Tyler, thank you for coming. I'm so sorry. I hugged her, not knowing what else to say or do. I tried to remain composed to avoid breaking down. I had to be strong. There, there. He's in a better place now. Just happened a little sooner than we would have liked. Tear rolled down her face. Robert draped his arm around his wife's shoulders. I shook Robert's hand before walking away. We went into the church, approached the mahogany casket at the head. I saw some of Mike's other family members lined around the casket. A few guys from high school sat in the pews, including Jason Kale, gave me an ever so slight head nod. There weren't as many classmates as I'd expected. Actually, not that many. But that was probably the product of being a few years removed from high school. Bonds of friendship had already diminished between many, such as growing up and moving on. Can I have a minute with him? I said to Britt, kissing her forehead before turning back to face the casket. I finally had my chance to apologize. I wanted to shake him, tell him that he couldn't be dead. He had a long life ahead of him. We had more experiences to enjoy. No words escaped my lips as I stared at the closed casket. My expression was surely blank, but my outward placidness merely masked the tumult inside. I thought of how sorry I was for what I'd said to him. I'd blown up and refused to hear him out. I didn't apologize until it was too late. Foolish pride ruined a lifelong friendship. I was launched into a pit of regret. I'm sorry, Mike. I choked out wiping the tears from my face. I wasn't sure if I was saying sorry to him or if I was really just saying sorry to myself. Maybe both. I'd saddled myself with unshakable guilt. I pulled myself away before I broke down. Britt nudged me in the back, seeming a little too eager to move on. Then again, I wasn't sure how long I'd been standing there. It might have been a minute, but it may have been 15. It was in a fog of memories and pain. I thought of what my grandpa had said during our phone call, but I didn't know how to remain optimistic at a time like this. We made our way around the pews and found seats in the balcony. 
I wanted to be closer during the service, but we had arrived too late. Thanks to Britt. My attention was everywhere except on the pastor. I thought about Mike, thought about our conversation, wondered how I was ever going to move past his death. I felt guilty for multiple reasons. I should have talked to him after our fight. I also wished that I could have been there when it happened. Maybe I could have somehow prevented his death. The funeral ended. We walked to the cemetery for the burial while the rain continued to fall. Some of the attendees let the rain soak through their clothes, but others came prepared with umbrellas. Most were black, but there was a spattering of color among the gloom. Now, I could have seen the colored umbrellas as a beacon of hope, but they registered as painful reminders of a bright past and of a lost future. I let the rain drench me, unabated. Brick coaxed me to stand under her umbrella, but I kept gliding away, preferring to let the water run off the lip of the umbrella and onto my face. I just wanted to get the afternoon behind me. The lowering of his body into the ground was painful. I tried to stay composed, but tears streamed down my face. My tears were in a frenzied competition with the rain. At first I tried to brush the tears away, but in time I let them take their course. After Mike was in the ground, we walked through the muddy mess back to Britt's car. The rain had slowed to a drizzle, but the wind was unrelenting. I was ready to make my escape, but Jason Kale caught up with me before I could sneak away. Hey Ty, wait up! Jason said as I opened the door. Hey, I'm getting in the car, Britt said. It's too cold out here. I ignored her. Hey, I said to Jason. I hate these things. Never know what to say. How are you holding up? Is she good? He asked, motioning toward Britt. Yeah, why do you ask? <clears throat> I sounded a little sharper than intended. Oh, I'm sorry, just because of what you said on the drive back to your apartment the other night. Yeah, all is well, other than the obvious. I wish I could talk to him again. It just doesn't seem real. I rubbed my face with both hands, wiping the moisture onto my already saturated pants. Yeah, these things never are easy. Well, I'm sure you'll get another chance, Jason replied with a tinge of optimism. Yeah, I guess you're right, I said. Amen, brother, amen. Hey, I need to get going, though. Take care of yourself. Jason turned away, but after an extended pause, he turned back to face me. It's crazy how much life can change, but I don't have to tell you that. Man, I'd give anything to have everybody back at my pond for a party. Yeah, I let the conversation die there. I needed to get away. I hopped into the passenger side of Britt's Toyota Corolla. I feared an inquisition. Instead, she just smiled. Psycho. Jason's statements lingered with me throughout the ride back to my apartment. I continued to turn over the last words I'd shared with Mike. It wasn't fair that we didn't get the chance to reconcile. My stomach was in knots as so many questions remained unanswered. My foremost concern was what happened the afternoon he died. I needed to speak with Detective Minden to see if they had made any progress on the case. For some reason, I remember the car Britt drove in high school. The silver Chevy Cruze. I miss your old car, I said. My old car? What made you think of that? I don't know. I've been thinking about high school lately. Britt looked at me with sad eyes. I'm sorry, Ty. She placed a hand on my arm. I can't even begin to imagine what you're going through. We'll get through this. We arrived back in Reedville. Britt walked up the narrow stairway to my apartment, several steps ahead of me. I lingered behind. 
I had an impulse to get in my Jeep and take off. If I drove through the night, I'd be in Florida by sunrise. I wasn't sure what I would do when I got there, but at least I'd be able to distance myself from this nightmare. No, I couldn't leave Brit. I'd never leave Brit. So instead, I followed her. I can see why you're sad, baby, but it will be okay. It wasn't like he was your family or anything, Britt said as she entered the bedroom. I took a deep breath, trying not to lash out. <clears throat> Mike's funeral had worn me down, and it wouldn't have taken much to set me off. Silence prevailed as I considered my response. I followed her into the bedroom, watched her change clothes in the mirror. <clears throat> she slipped into a pair of my basketball shorts and a hoodie. I finally responded. He wasn't my family, but he was my best friend. I don't know how you can sit there and make it sound like everything's okay. And then despite my best intentions, I lashed out. I mean, seriously, what the hell's wrong with you? How can you be so insensitive? My best friend's dead. I kicked the wall before collapsing onto my bed. I threw a pillow across the room, missing Britt by inches. Britt smiled, somehow unfazed by my response, and outburst. I know you miss him. You two have been friends for a long time. I shouldn't say anything, but... She stood next to me, put her hands on my shoulders, looked into my eyes. I'm not sure if I should tell you this. I swore I wouldn't say anything. Tell me what? I rest my hands on hers. My pulse increased. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but... I talked to Mike yesterday. He said he'd be back soon. She grinned from ear to ear. She kissed each of my cheeks before kissing my forehead. The hair stood up on my neck. Goosebumps enveloped my flesh. What did you say? Britt's grin was unwavering. He spoke to me because he wasn't sure if you were ready. He made me swear not to tell you, but I wanted you to feel better. I looked at her in disbelief. She continued to smile, like some kind of lunatic. You want me to feel better? Seems like you're trying to piss me off. He thought you might react that way. He said he understood if you're not ready to see him. Britt shook my shoulder and walked away. Not ready to see him? Uh, that would be impossible. Ty, baby. You need to have an open mind like me. Anything is possible. I'll let him know you said hi.